Hello, everyone. A very quick one from me. It would be a massive help to us with our ambition to help as many recruiters as possible achieve their goals and also inspire the next generation to choose recruitment as a career if you hit that follow and subscribe button. If you're someone that prefers to learn in a visual way, we've also recently invested a lot in our video podcast experience. So in the show notes, you'll always be able to find the link to watch the video on our YouTube channel and make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Thank you so much for supporting the show and enjoy this week's episode. B, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Second time lucky. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> feeling better? I am, yes. Obviously Thank the first you. time was feeling a bit rough. Didn't want to get in the pod studio not feeling 100%. No. <laughs> so here we are. Thank you for making the trip from Bristol. Appreciated. Did you come to London much? Not as much as I'd like to. Um, yeah? So yeah, it's great to be here. Did you grow up in Bristol? No, I'm actually Welsh. Um, really? Yeah. And there's about as far west as you can go. I'm from a place called Tenby in okay. Pembrokeshire. Um, okay. Not much going on. <laughs> <laughs> How far is Wales from Bristol? Um, well, where I'm from, two and a half hours. Okay. Um, so long enough. Um, um, is Bristol home now? Yeah, definitely. Love it. Yeah, nice. I need to, I need to like, I met someone today who said if I was to live somewhere else, it'd be Bristol and I haven't, I feel like I haven't spent enough time there. Yeah, that's great. It took me a while to get used to. It was different to anywhere I'd ever been before, mm. but um, yeah, I've been there nearly five years and I can't imagine being anywhere else. Love that. <laughs> cool. So today we're going to unpack this recruitment journey that you've been on. Sure. So I guess before we start with the million pound question... I want to unpack some of the, like, just, just some high-level details. So you've been in recruitment kind of to five years. Yep. I think today what we're going to really focus on is this contract journey that you've been on with IO. So for the last three and a bit years, you've been with IO, is it Associates? Yes, yeah. Cool. So you've been specifically in the IT contract space in the secure government and defence sector. Yep. So high-level details here, and this is what we're going to unpack. Year one performance for B, Jan 2021, your weekly GP was 1100. Yep. Year 2022, Jan, 10K weekly GP. And then what actually prompted me to reach out was I saw your post, Jan 2023, first female contract biller in IO Associates, I think I've got that correctly, to hit the 15K weekly GP mark. Yep. Is that correct. right? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely amazing achievement. And obviously today we're going to talk about how the hell we got there. Right, what we learned the way, the challenges, all of that. But I guess before we do, I'd love to hear sort of your take from everything that you've learned, the people you met along the way. Like, in your opinion, what characteristics and traits do you believe make up a highly successful recruiter in, in today's market? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a number of things. Um, I think the most two obvious ones that, that sort of stand out would be resilience and tenacious. I think everyone knows that. Everyone's aware that those are very important traits. I think when you really unpack it, somebody has an intrinsic why as mm. to you know why they're doing recruitment it's not an easy job <laughs> as I'm sure anyone listening you know knows so I think you know somebody has to have something deeper than just oh, I'll work hard or you know I'm, I'm motivated they've got to have something internally that when they have those down days when they're really really going through a really you know hard patch they've got something in, inside of them that's kind of pushing them you know to, mm. to keep going so I think being aware of that why and um, being able to, to dig deep and find it is um it's definitely what I'd say is, is most important. What's been your why then? Let, let's start. Yeah. I'm sure you thought I might ask that. <laughs> I did indeed, yeah. So um, I guess it goes back to, to sort of upbringing. So both my parents, when I analysed it, have 
all the traits that you know you would want from a successful recruiter they couldn't do anything more different so living in, in rural wales and um yeah, they've um, decided to get, go and set up their own tourist attraction, um, really? which is actually a dinosaur park for kids. But, Love um, that. <laughs> a bit wild. But, um, you know, they've both been super, super successful. And I think growing up, seeing them, you know, literally start from scratch and, and build mm. that business. And I've seen them struggling and go through times when things, you know, they're not having a good year or, mm. you know, they make a decision that, you know, didn't pay off or, you know, wasn't wasn't the right one. But, you know... They've never stopped working hard. They've never not stopped wanting more. And equally, you know, kind of, I guess, pushing that onto myself and my brother as well. Yeah, exactly. Do you think you're, so like maybe when you first started out in recruitment, like, do you feel like, because I always think your why can almost evolve. Like, I think sometimes, like if you sort of sit there and go, right, I need to figure out my why. Mm. It might be quite a difficult thing to do. Like, do you feel like your sort of why has evolved over time? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, at the start, I, I probably didn't have or wasn't aware of what what my Mm. why was I knew I wanted to make them proud um, as obviously most people do but it wasn't so kind of obvious to me and I obviously at that stage hadn't had to to dig deep and and have those those hard days you know some people's might just be that they've they've grown up in you know not a nice area Mm. not a nice house so they want to buy a million pound house I know that's one of one of my colleagues so it definitely evolves and I think once you've had a little taste of of success and, and and it go well that you know really helps you to find what that intrinsic why is Mm. okay so let's unpack this contract journey that you've been on then so obviously prior to you doing it contract Mm. you was in correct me if i'm wrong perm engineering yeah that's correct so how different would you say that is to like your world now it couldn't have been more different really okay (laughs) let's just first talk about that because i feel like that can oftentimes be something that recruiters are quite what's the word fearful of like if i'm doing well in certain sector or I'm in a certain sector and I'm starting to feel like, you know what, I would want a new challenge, these things, but I'm going to have to go into a new sector. A lot of people might be really worried about that. So I guess firstly, maybe it'd be good if you could share, like what was B's approach to like getting to grips with this market? Like looking back, how did you go about that? Yeah, sure. So I made the move to IO just before COVID. So <laughs> pretty, wow. pretty bad timing on, uh, on my part. But yeah, so it's November 2019. So I had a couple of months to start getting to grips with tech, which I really, really struggled with. I had no idea what my, my initial market was Java. I had, had no idea, you know, what that was. And even like, looking at CV, I couldn't tell whether it was good, whether it was bad. I just didn't really know where I was starting. And obviously then COVID hit and... I was just getting setback after setback, speaking to clients. I had done a couple of deals and all of those dropped. So it's back to zero out. And uh, yeah, obviously tough to deal with, especially when you're not you're not in an office surrounded by you know your colleagues, your friends to, to, be, to be helping you. So I just spent all my time speaking to candidates because I was finding when I was speaking to clients, it was we're not hiring like, and, and yeah. you always felt silly calling yeah. them <laughs> to try and get jobs. So I just decided to spend that time maximizing on speaking to my network, finding out from them the trends, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I came across a number of, sort of small consultancies who were hiring. All of them were specifically within sort of SC and, and DV cleared work. So, you what know, what does that stand for? Um, so security cleared and developed vetting, both super high levels of clearance, which are primarily used within Ministry of Defence or sort of secure government work. Really interesting. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not allowed to know. So it does make it hard to recruit for sometimes. But yeah. I just maximised on on that time with my candidates and just asked them as many questions as possible mm. to really get a good understanding of of how it all worked. And let, like, if it's okay, let's just talk about this for a sec because I think sure. this would be really helpful for people. So, looking back, what do these sort of conversations sound like? Because I think when I speak to recruiters, particularly who are early on, this is something that people do struggle with. They're not sure how to get to grips with. Obviously, you can 
go on Google, you can read articles, you can listen to podcasts, these things. But obviously one of the great things that you can do is speak to candidates and, and build a network and these things. So are you literally like, how are you approaching this conversation? Is it very much like, hey, look, I'm B, I'm an IO Associates. I may not be able to massively help you right now. I'm new to the market. I'm sort of really keen to learn and understand. And then you're just asking questions. Like what, what did those conversations actually sound like for you to actually learn from these people? Because I think sometimes people are fearful of looking and feeling stupid. Yeah. And like you're a recruiter calling these candidates up, so you're meant to be the expert in these things. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. So yeah, I think, you know, initially they were very much, you know, I'm new, can you help mm. me? What can you tell me? But they evolved and it became, you know, as got deeper into COVID, it became me being able to give them something back. So I was able to tell them, you know, if, if they'd been out of a job since March or, or, you know, whenever, I was able to tell them, look, this consultancy are hiring, I, I can't help you, I don't actually work with them, but mm. I know from speaking with other candidates that these guys and, and this company are hiring. So because you were, you know, tipping them off, you were giving them information that really wasn't actually going to help you, they were so happy to, to give something back. And it's funny, when I look back now, actually two of the clients I work with, the candidates that I had obviously given those kind of tip-offs to, ended up referring me into consultancies further on down the really? line. It's just about the bigger picture and it's, you know, mm. recruitment's a long, long old game. <laughs> See, this is, this is so interesting, right? Because we were talking about this yesterday in um, a training session that, that we did. Now you can see that with hindsight, but like when you're in it, it's sometimes hard to see the bigger picture. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, well, I don't know if there's any, like by you sharing that story, that's massively helpful. It makes people feel like, oh, you know what, doing the right thing and helping people. It's not necessarily always about getting something in return. However, that will likely be remembered. It will be memorable. I have helped them. So they might, they're at some point that might come back. And, and if it does, great. But like, how can we help recruiters understand or see the bigger picture when they're in the thick of, they've got a target to hit that month. They've, do, do you know what I mean? It is tricky. And I think the reason I was lucky was because of COVID, there was maybe less pressure. And I think something that, you know, has helped since then is maybe looking at things in quarters or, you know, a six month period as opposed to every month, like I've got a score, I've got to do mm. a deal. You know, not every month is going to be perfect and there's only sort of 30, 31 days in a month. So stuff can roll, you know, but, you know, if you've not scored one month, that means you might do six, seven deals the next. Mm. So that was definitely something that helped me. I think when I go back to, to me being in those, you know, in those shoes, it was just very much sort of thinking, I've got to be doing something. If I'm calling clients and they're saying no, well, fine, what can I be getting from these candidates? You know, still be pushing to get leads, to get any sort of market information that I can. And um, yeah, it's obviously paid off. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, okay, cool. So let's talk about them. What it sounds like is you stumbled across this niche. Yeah, that absolutely. you've ended up really focusing on. Yeah. So talk me through... I think that this is important and, and hopefully this comes across like, and I'm sure you drive this with your team now. Yep. Like I hear all the time, particularly in contract, leads, 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 get information, all that is massively important. Maximize the candidate calls. You need to go what's going on, all that. Now, what I'd love you to share is like, there's one thing getting the information then there's another thing acting on it. So like, what is it that you picked up on that then made you go, hang on a minute, there's a potential opportunity here. So like, what is it that sort of, what was maybe some of the lagging indicators or just something that you really started to pick up on to go, you know what, I'm really going to commit to trying to maximise this information that I keep hearing. Yeah, sure. Well, look, I think it's, everyone talks about having a niche. Everyone talks about 
having that one special area that, that you focus on because mm. you can't call up a client and say I'm a specialist in Java because yeah find how how many other recruiters are you know are trying to focus on Java but you know when, when you niche that down into looking at you know security cleared or you know candidates with developed vetting working in these kind of smaller markets you know you can really be a specialist so I think when these candidates were telling me these clients are hiring it was trying to have a you know have a look at candidates maybe who were already working there, be CV stripping, you know, looking at mm. places they'd worked previously, having you know having conversations with them, going through their LinkedIn connections, mm. seeing you know, who they're connected with and and where they're working, and you know you just kind of really start to build up this list and and you know essentially market mapping who your target clients are, are going to be. I think once you start sort of ticking them off as well, like you know once you've managed to get one on, if you've placed someone, you'll see you know hopefully there's a vacancy elsewhere where they've just come from. And um, it's just about kind of, you know, steadily making your presence known and, um, you know, becoming more of a specialist as, as you go through. Yeah, I love that. It's this word market mapping. Like, how important is that? <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, it's, yeah, super important. It's... What, what is, how, how do you market map? Because, like, I'll be honest, I hear this more when we sat down, I was telling you about before we started, Alicia, she, she's, like, huge on this organisation. It's been a game changer for her. Uh, I interviewed a guy called Ethan who was like proper on this as well, market mapping. Like, so how how does B market map? Like, have you got a spreadsheet? Are you? Is this something that you do every single week still? Yeah, I, I definitely try to. I mean, it's it's harder as you get busier. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, it, it comes from a combination of things. So speaking with candidates and, and getting you know getting leads is is obviously a a great way to do so. CV stripping is super important, and it's it's you know it's quick. Sometimes if you've got a candidate who's been around for however long, they'll have you know, five, six companies that are going to be target clients for you. So, you know, it's, it's getting those client names. Then whether you're speaking to candidates who are currently working there to try and find out who the people you want to be speaking to are or whether it's LinkedIn, you know, there's there's various different ways that you can you can track those people down. Events as well are, are so, so good for, for this kind of thing. Okay. And then how do you keep, like, I guess just curious, like what's ended up being your, your system maybe early on, like, did you just keep like just keep growing this ever sort of breathing like spreadsheet or I don't know how did you organize it? Yeah, so um, on our CRM we're able to to code contacts or you know or candidates up. So I guess just having a system with that. So whether I was coding them with the, the tech they're using and then the, the level of clearance they've got, yeah. um, so they're easy to then kind of have in in, in a list. Um, oh, I bet your company love you then if you're doing it on the CRM <laughs> rather than the spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> spreadsheets are a thing of the past for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, okay, cool. So, so I guess what it sounded like then there was a bit of a moment where obviously you were sort of recognising this during COVID that they were hiring. Yep. So then, like you just tried to obviously capitalise that and maximise that, but obviously you're building relationships with candidates. You're letting people know that these types of companies are hiring, yeah. and then it sort of built from there. So it seems like the opportunity was more so that in the current climate, these are consultancies that are growing rather than like making layoffs and these things. And then that's where I guess it then grew from there. Then yeah, definitely. So talk us through, like, I guess it would be useful context, like this world that you're recruiting them. My only other exposure to it is I did some work with a company called Evolution Recruitment that had a team that do defense yep. or like that sort of world. So like you said there, it'd be useful for, in terms of context. So like when you say there's stuff that you can't know, because it seems all a bit mysterious, do you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> what does that actually mean in, in your world? Yeah. Okay. So with what you can say, yeah. what you're allowed to say <laughs> unless you get in trouble. No, no, that's, that's cool. <laughs> so I don't have any, you know, any level of clearance myself. So to get these types of clearances, you've got to go through mega, mega checks. So whether that's financial type checks, mm. I guess like your family's history as well. It's obviously criminal, criminal mm. checks, any drug tests, that kind mm. of thing. It's quite kind of intrinsic, the, the stuff that they, they go through. I, I think 
there's obviously stuff that you're, you're not allowed to know because you don't hold this clearance. So the types of clients that I guess they're, you know, these consultancies are delivering into would be the likes of like MI5, MI6. They're keeping our country safe. Right, so okay. you know, the projects they're working on, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. they know information, you know, they, they can't be sharing that with me. I'm not allowed to know the, the specific projects that these guys are, are working on. So surely that means like there's even more variables here on the candidate side because they have to go through even more checks than maybe like a typical IT contractor would in like a not that type of world. Yeah, that it, that's kind of all, all out of my hands. You know, I, I obviously don't get involved in any of that. And once these guys have got these levels of clearances they keep them for you know five ten years right because they've so, been through that process exactly yeah the tricky thing is the clearances lapse if they um if they come out of a out of a role and don't use it for a certain period of time mm. so that can be super frustrating if you found a candidate who you know has the level of clearance you need and then they've taken a break or they've you know ah. not been able to get a new a new role and their contract's finished kind of no use to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay cool so cool I, i'm glad i understand that so I guess what I feel like people would absolutely love to understand, let's just start with like, obviously there's a whole element of B is building her market, you're building credibility, you're building your niche. But why don't we just sort of start this conversation with like, obviously going from 1100 weekly GP to 10 grand weekly GP, that's a big difference. Yep. So like, <laughs> why don't we just start with like, what were some of the main things when I say to you, what was B doing differently? Putting aside there's time, you're obviously hopefully slowly learning and improving, you're building a track record. What do you think that you were doing differently to sort of get to that point, do you think? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Sourcebreaker. And today I wanted to talk to you about sales opportunities and how Sourcebreaker can help. Because are you tired of the competition beating you to new sales opportunities? Do you want to make more placements from your existing resources? Who doesn't? Transform the way you work with Sourcebreaker. Revolutionizing recruitment with AI-powered technology, Sourcebreaker powers you with laser-accurate search results across all your sourcing platforms to build candidate pools filled with highly qualified individuals, all from one place, not from multiple tabs in different places. You will get perfect fit opportunities automatically tracking relevant vacancies and events in your market niche in real time and pre-built automations that constantly scope your markets to deliver high quality results at speeds your competitors simply can't match. Head over to sourcebreaker.com for more information. Back to the episode. So I think the main thing was once I had got one client on in this in this industry and had delivered, you know, a project team for them, so maybe six, seven, eight contractors, that kind of level of credibility mm. just really, really paid off. It's such a small world. So I was actually getting referred from, you know, from this one first client that I, that I ended up placing with into another client. And, you know, you've got these names to refer back to. Everyone knows everyone. So, mm. you know, if I can say I work with company X or with company Y, that, you know, to these companies over here is actually super, super relevant. Alongside that, like it's, it was just my, I think my work rate just kind of must have tripled. <laughs> Once you see success, it's, it's so much easier to work hard. You know what the rewards look like. You want to get on the, the holidays, the lunch clubs, the whatever else that recruitment gives to you, as well as obviously starting to see some financial reward as well. Which when you're, you know, you're on your basic and you've maybe done one or two deals, you're not really getting much commission. It can be harder to be motivated. But I think, you know, once... 
once that sort of catalyst has, has started, it's a Doing lot momentum. easier. Yeah, sure. So can I just ask you then? I know I know it sounds really obvious, but I'll be honest. Like speaking to a lot of recruiters at the moment, and typical and most common challenge right now is business development and and winning good quality business consistently, or it's proven to be more and more difficult to do that. So what you're saying there is obviously, yeah, we've got the benefit of the type of industry that you're in. That it might be a bit more close knit than maybe some other industries. Totally fair, and that makes sense. But I think when I speak to a lot of recruiters, I think what's actually really underutilized, which you've just said has been really important, is showcasing your case studies and what you've already done. So it'd be good if, if you, like, we can grow granular here. I know it sounds really simple, like, oh, I just told Company X that we did this at that company, but, like, how did you actually approach showcasing that B has done this for that company? Like, how do you actually approach it? Did you just say, look, we've helped this company so we can help you? Or was it like, hey, look, we've just helped your direct competitor, like, would you be open to having a conversation? Was it like, hey, we've helped them solve this problem or we've helped them build this product? Do you know what I mean? Because I think, I don't know what you feel about this, but I think a lot of recruiters can gain that confidence and credibility by these things. And they don't necessarily have to be their own case studies. Like if I join your team tomorrow, why can't I use what our team's done? Do you get what I mean? So it'd be good if you don't mind sharing, if there is anything to share on, like how did you actually go about maximizing that track record? Because I think a lot of people don't. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing I did was, was exactly what you just said. So, you know, it was to, to get a really well-worded email together, you mm. know, showcasing what I've done for competitors to, you know, and, and essentially say, look, I can do this. Here's mm. an example. Could we speak about, you know, how I can how I can help you guys, whether that's now or in the future? And I think something really big to focus on is if you don't know that that, that company are bidding or have just won a massive, you know, massive project, it can be about in the future. You know, it's mm. it, again, it's, it's going back to that. This is a long game. You might not do a placement with that company for six, 12 months. But if you've kind of got ahead and, and you've had that conversation so they know where you are when they when they need you, then, you know, that's great. And that's a win. And you need to be able to to see that. I think I'd then maybe try and follow that up with a with a BZ call, but it's so much warmer because you've already put your case across to them. You know, you've got that to, to fall back to. Did you see my email? And it's not, you know, obviously can be intimidating making a, a cold call. So mm. it's it's so much nicer to have that email there to kind of take them through and, and discuss properly. Love that. No, that's a really good point. And then just curious, I know we're going grand here, but this is what people want to help with. Yeah. <laughs> so like... No, I really like that. And it sounds simple, but it's about the actually doing that, right? So I guess what I'd love you to just share or your thoughts on would be if you send me that email and I'm in your space and I read it and it's like, oh, yeah, like, okay, that sounds interesting. She's done that for a, another company. We're like that. This person might be able to help me at some point. You call me and I tell you that, yeah, we're not actually hiring at the moment. But as you said, taking a step back, thinking of the bigger picture is important. So like, what's the sort of why that you try and communicate as to why that person should give you time? Do you know what I mean? Because I think that's that's the important thing. And I don't know what you think about this, but again, speaking to a lot of recruiters and the recruiters that have been really successful for a long time, it's because they have got good at thinking of the bigger picture and not just having a short-term focus, but also medium and long-term focus. I think sometimes a lot of recruiters can just be focused on, are they hiring right now? If they're not, okay, move on. So like, what would the typical like why be around okay like well this is why you should give me 30 minutes so we can have a conversation do you know what i mean if they're not hiring yeah sure so i think i've definitely had this a lot okay and, nice. um, <laughs> a lot of the consultancies certainly you know now that i speak to it's we're just using our direct network mm. um you know we, we know people and uh, and almost the fact it's a small world can, can work against me but i guess what i what i sort of say to counter that is again rely on the case studies that that have worked because once upon a time 
those consultancies didn't need me. But, mm. you know, now, you know, look what I've done, look what I've been able to help. With it being a small world, it's like there will be people that, that I know that you guys maybe don't know or people who are, you know, kind of relatively new to the market who you're not aware of, you haven't come across. So, you know, it's just about that. There will be a time, even if that's not right now, that, that you, you will need help or what if something goes drastically wrong and, and you lose three, four people you know, in, in a relatively short pace, uh, sorry, in a relatively short, short, short pace yeah. of time, you know, then that's the exact time that, that you might need me. What about then surely like, because of the way that you're in, surely you can, like you speak to these people all the time. So surely like also you might be able to offer some sort of like insight or do you know what I mean? Into the market? Or? Well, just in general, like uh, why, okay, be well, why, why would I give you my time if I'm not hiring? And you just said, well, look, these types of companies initially said that they didn't need my help, but we sort of start to build a relationship, understood what they might need in the future. And then when they needed me, we started working together. Mm. But like surely also, as well as just people, you like you speak to similar people all the time. I don't know that surely there's other things that you could also add value on, which is why I'd be happy to give you 30 minutes besides just speaking about how many contractors I need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from from the, candid the candidates I'm speaking to all the time, they don't have that the time to be speaking to them, to be understanding, you know, maybe what's going on outside of this consultancy, you know, or, you know, that X amount of people may, may becoming available, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's about using those conversations I'm, I'm having with other clients or other candidates or maybe, you know, internally, other people at IO who do similar markets, you know, and being, being able to kind of represent that to them. So work ethic tripled. Yep. What does that mean? Like, what did that actually look like? So I guess it kind of went from somebody who wasn't really that motivated, was struggling to to get any wins and probably was feeling quite down. You know, how on earth, you know, you, you come into recruitment and it's, yeah, you'll earn 35k in your first year and um, in your second you'll be on 100k and you think, yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, hats off to anyone who's, who's managed to do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think... It is tricky. It was, it was kind of getting to me like, you know, what am I doing? I've, I've been to uni, I've travelled, mm. you know, everything's always been kind of fairly easy, you know. Mm. It's, and then I'm now in a situation where I'm really not good at something. Mm. And it was really hard to kind of overcome that. I think at the time, I'm banging on now about, you know, look at the bigger picture, that kind of thing. But gosh, at that time, you wasn't, you I, found I couldn't it see the bigger to, picture. Yeah. yeah, it was all just like, where are my wins? Why aren't I winning now? And I was, I was definitely impatient. Impatient? Yeah. <laughs> but when I look back now it's like I was definitely learning learning in that whole that whole time um, when I look back and I'm like yeah I wouldn't have changed any of that for the so world you, so you was yeah I think th this is an interesting thing right I was listening to a podcast the other day yeah and I don't know what you think about this and it's like in your career particularly when you're like building your career I think he was just uh, this person was just saying about how like leaning into like learning rather than earning is a probably good strategy over the long term so like what it sounds like what you shared then is like what you recognise is, okay, I might not be earning what I feel like I should be and I might be being a bit impatient around what I'm earning. However, let's actually put a lot more value on how much I'm learning, like how much I've improved since when I started and like how much more I know about my market now and how many more people that I do know. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. One of the things that I say to my guys all the time now is if you're not winning, then you're learning because, nice. you know, absolutely. If, mm. if something goes wrong, it's like, what can I learn from this? And, mm. um, and the fact that you're able to learn something from it, the fact that you're able to take something away is a massive win in itself. So a lot of people feel those things that you felt and quit. Yeah. <laughs> so why didn't you then? I don't quit. <laughs> I think you don't quit. Yeah, I don't quit. I couldn't have gone back home and said, 
you know, I can't do it. Mm. I think that there probably were times when I did call home and say, I don't want to be here. I don't know what I'm doing. But I didn't think I had it in me to, to actually turn around and, and say, you know, to myself, you know, or to anyone else, I can't do this. So that wasn't an option. I was I was going to make it work no matter, you know, no matter what. But um, yeah, there were definitely days where I doubted it. And then like, was there anything that you started to like focus more on compared to like not getting the big win of getting a contract deal or whatever. I don't know if there's anything that you could sort of pinpoint that you started to just have a bit of a perspective change or start to focus on different things. And then when you did then actually get the outcome that you wanted, five contractors out or whatever, that yeah. only then sort of helped things like... Yeah, definitely. I think even now, tiny little wins still can, can mean a lot. If I come across a, a new consultancy that I know require the types of clearances that I recruit for, I'm buzzing. That's, that's my day mate. And even now, it's funny... I celebrate a new candidate in my market who's looking, if it's not someone I know, or even if it is someone I know and, and they're back on the market. Sometimes I celebrate that more than a job because I know how tricky these people can be to find. And when I take that back a notch to maybe my more junior days, it, that was very much the same. You know, whether it's a new candidate, whether it's a lead for a company I hadn't heard before, that in itself is, is a huge win. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a really good point for everyone listening to, yeah, not just sort of make your wins the end outcome, right? Because if, if you do that, then you're always going to, I don't know, there's going to be less wins, right? And it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult, particularly when you're feeling like you're not getting any of the results, but you might have been making progress in a whole bunch of other areas. Yeah, exactly. So talk me through then. So obviously you said that you really sort of double down on your work effort. People love knowing day plans on this podcast. Yeah. They really do. <laughs> so like talk me through, it could be more like more recently now, but maybe when did you start this sort of management journey? Are you on the management journey? Have you got people in your team? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So when did you start that? February last year. February last year? Yeah. Okay, so maybe we could do it because I feel like you're going to have to incorporate like management one-on-one stuff. Yes, yeah, So before you had team members, what was like B's day plan? Was it pretty regimented? What did that look like, particularly as you were obviously growing this contract book? Yeah, so definitely tried to be. Obviously, sometimes things go out the window, but... My main focus, certainly in the mornings, was always candidates. You know, if I was speaking to candidates, I'd have targets. So I'd want to be getting, you know, a couple of leads, ideally some new hiring sites, and more importantly within that, contract the hiring sites, as well as contract the team sizes, because that can tell you so much. You know, how how much potential does this client have? If this person's in a team with, I don't know, one contractor, Mm. then it's probably not going to be a, a massive sort of target client for you. But if they're in a team of 15 contractors... And uh, the pound sign sort of start, start like Okay, up. so morning candidates. Yeah, 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 definitely. What, they're in time morning? Yeah, pretty much. And then before lunch, I'd probably send out any shot to clients of okay. maybe the, the hottest candidate I found that day. And then the afternoon would be BD. So whether that was calling through that a shot that I just sent mm-hmm. out, hey, have you seen my email? What are your thoughts on this candidate? And then mm-hmm. trying to sell them in. And then, you know, admin and, and sort of lesser things at, at the end of the day. Talk me through, like, I just feel like I did perm recruitment, right? Okay. So... I don't know, I just feel like every time I sit down with a contract recruiter, like so much of it is centered around like information. Like you just said there in terms of like size of contract site, how many contractors are with, all that. So what advice do you have for people to be better at getting information? Because like surely you don't want the other person on the end of the phone feeling like she's just trying to get information out of me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like if that's absolutely crucial, which it sounds like it is, information, acting on it, leads, getting leads, all this, how have you got better at 
getting information and do you have advice for people that do want to get better at that without surely the other person just feeling like they're just trying to get all this information out of me how much value they're giving me yeah so it's, it's got to be a conversation if you hear newbies on the phone sometimes it's like they, they call up and they, they go through their candidate qualification sheet and they ask the questions but there's they don't give anything back and so you know, you put yourself in that candidate's shoes. If, if you're speaking to someone who's asking you a load of questions, so sounds so scripted, why are you going to trust them with any information? Mm. Whereas if you're kind of having a, a proper chat with them, you know, you're invested, you're actually wanting to understand more about them, which obviously is still asking questions, but it's, it's asking more genuine questions. And, you know, one thing that, that I've, I've definitely found is you're not necessarily going to get leads and loads of information on that first call. But if you're the recruiter that's calling those candidates back, that's saying, I'm really sorry, the role I spoke to you about has been put on hold or it's been filled internally. Yes, it's a negative update, but they really, really appreciate that update and that continuity. And, you know, on the fourth, fifth, sixth call, they're probably starting to trust you. And, mm. and at that point, they're more willing to, to share information and to share leads with you. Yeah. So making it yeah, like less transactional, basically. Exactly. Okay, that's interesting. And then what I always like to ask, and and it might be what we're talking about, but from your perspective, what do you believe contract recruiters have to absolutely master to be great at it? Would you say any particular activity or just, I don't know what comes up for you? This podcast is proudly sponsored by Vincere. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of the recruitment operating system. Disjointed tech systems are painful for growing recruitment companies. Too much admin, bad data, and no visibility. It's holding back recruitment organizations. Meet Vincere. Vincere is the creator of the recruitment operating system, a modern operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies worldwide. This natively integrated tech platform syncs data and workflows across recruitment agencies front, middle, and back offices. Start off with a suite of modules, a core CRM, ATS, advanced reporting and analytics, video interviewing, and more. That's just their core product. Vincere also works with a pre-integrated access products to expand your tech capabilities. Link up your recruitment websites powered by Volcanic or cover screening and pay and bill with the fast track integration. It's time to unite front middle and back offices on a single recruitment technology platform. Unleash growth without gravity. Let's go. Find out more on vincere.io. And because you listen to this podcast, you get a discount. Check it out. Enjoy the rest of the episode. I think the main thing is understanding your own strengths. Mm. If I look at our sort of senior leadership team across, across our team at IO, there's sort of six of us, and we all have very different individual strengths. We're all very different recruiters, but if I tried to master every single one of those, you know, it's probably not doable. You're never going to be perfect. And, and you know, there's different personalities within that as well. So I think it's really starting to understand where your wins are coming from and really maximise on those. So like what's working for you? Yeah, exactly. What, what was yours then? So it'd be my candidate relationships. Candidate relationships? Yeah. How do you get better at that? <laughs> it comes with time again it's, it goes back to like you can't just have one call and expect them to give you everything but placing someone obviously helps massively but even at that point some of my best relationships with candidates who you know before I found this niche it was it was just candidates that I had the time for and I spoke to and again sometimes sharing information that doesn't benefit you so telling them ex, ex companies hiring I don't work with them but why don't you try and apply direct or you know approach mm. someone on LinkedIn and then is that is like the kind of like where would you say 
you mentioned like newbies there. Where do you see people that are newer on their contract recruitment journey typically like fall short a lot of the time or like struggle with early on or typical stumbling blocks that you sort of see people go through? Continuity, like so often, you know, you'll see a note on the system that they've called someone, they've told them they're going to be hiring in two months time, but then there's no callback and mm. it's, you know, it's, it's it's just left. So I think organisation and, and, and continuity are both super duper important. Yeah, we spoke about this yesterday. The uh, art of follow-up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. A lot of, we ask people, like, do you have a system to do your follow-ups or to make sure you never miss a follow-up? Yeah. Most people put, no, not really, or sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Do you have a system to make sure that that isn't you who found that out and then forgot to give them a call back? Yeah, so I just use my diary, um, like yeah. on, on Outlook. Very simple. Just but like, well, like uh, re- event reminder or... Yeah, exactly. So if I, if I speak to someone and they say, look, not right now, but mm. if you give me a call back, you know, in February, then yeah, I'll be looking. Then that, that's fine. That, that goes goes in my diary probably to give them a call back a, li- a little bit before that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not missing it. And yeah, just, just make sure that, that I'm doing that. And then when it comes to then hitting that amazing milestone of 15K weekly GP... I feel like then you can let me know what you think. But like, firstly, I guess going into that third year, was that your like goal? Did you think that was possible? Yeah. So I think once once I hit 10K, it was kind of the realisation, like, I can do this. Mm. And so naturally, you don't want that high to end. You know, you, you don't want to think, oh, I, you know, oh, that was me at 10K. I think the fact that no girl on I had ever got to 15K made it something I, I really, really wanted to do. As a girl who I work with at my previous company, um, and I, I work with Aya, she's one of my closest friends and I've, um, you know, often been the second girl to do things too after her. So, Ooh. you know, sort of 5k, 10k. So that 15k was, you know, <laughs> a friendly rivalry, something I really, really wanted to, some healthy competition. to take off. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like then when you're in that position, rather than what we were speaking about before, it more becomes around like marginal gains and like tweaking things. Yeah. So like, what were some of the things like do you were like really focusing on maybe like tweaking or just getting those extra percentages out that could potentially in the long run mean that you then find yourself at 15k out of interest yeah so it's you know things like sending candidates to clients you know a little bit more so even if they told me we're not hiring until then if I had a c- good candidate like they were getting sent because mm. it was like you know even on the off chance that they might take them on absolutely like I'm gonna send them I guess it was it was trying to make the most of my margins as well so you know what can I do here if you're working on an average margin with, with someone maybe you can get, get a little bit more out here and, and, and take a little bit less in, in the future or maybe you've already taken a bit less on on some you know so it was absolutely trying to you know squeeze everything I could out of those and again just just trying to create as many opportunities as possible what as in in what sense opportunities so if there were any new clients i could get on even if this was going to be like the first placement that that i Mm. made with them you know was i kind of specking out as much as i could was i putting posts up on linkedin about these candidates to to try and encourage clients to to maybe come to me just almost going back to basics and and doing everything within my power to make sure that that i was going to get to 15k and then what have you done since to make sure that b doesn't become complacent so yeah you've you've hit the 15k you beat you beat your mate first person to do this yeah you might think right time to put the feet up (laughs) you know you could you could quite easily lose that work ethic that helped you get there right and yeah oftentimes i speak to recruiters that they found it the hardest to retain the like top performer thing because that's it's just harder to do that right or that's actually been a lot of really difficult for people to manage once they've actually got to like that big goal that they've always had yeah yeah, so sure. how how have you 
how have you made sure that B hasn't become complacent? I think I'm probably hungrier than ever. Really? Um, yes. It's just such a good feeling to, you know, to be achieving these things that I mm. probably never thought I could. I think my book's sort of 17 too at the moment, which mm. obviously is great. Like a lot of people, I've got loads of finishes coming up at the end of March just because of the the type of industry I work in. It's it's um, when contracts will run to. So I'm going to take a bit of a hit, but it's, you know, I've got a solid base now to, to really push on and grow. So yeah, 20K is, is firmly... That's just now onto the 20K. Yeah. <laughs> First, first, to the 20, first to hit the 20k yeah, well, there's a couple of guys who had already hit the 15k mark um, okay. but nobody's ever done 20k on io so no one's ever done 20 yeah so it's uh <laughs> so what what's to- let's talk about that then what's top of mind like again it's again going to come down to squeezing the juice out of things of course yeah how are we going to get to 20k so i'm in an interesting spot right now because my team's bigger than it's ever been okay. so they are taking priority right now. 20k will come. I, ha- like I have no doubt that I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get there. But I'm also conscious that I want to see them get into 5k, mm. 6k, 7k, 8k. And um, yeah, hopefully my number two, she'll be, she'll be pushing on for, for 10k soon as herself. So, mm. you know, I've just had the high of hitting that 15k. I'm confident that that book will, will stay steady. And there's, you know, there's stuff there that, that will grow itself. But for now, my focus has to be on them. Okay. Before we finish then, let's just talk about that. How would you describe your your leadership journey? Always learning. (laughs) Always learning. Yeah. What surprised you about it so far? I think that, you know, the hardest part of it isn't actually teaching them how to recruit. It's everything that that comes with it. You become like a full-time (laughs) counsellor. A full-time (laughs) counsellor. You're really dealing with, you know, whatever's going on outside of work for them. Mm. Um, You know, you, you have to become like their best friend and it's... It's amazing. I love it, but it's it's a roller coaster because you celebrate every win with them. You have to be the person to to keep them up in you know in the times where they've maybe had a dropper or you know they've had six nos or you know whatever that might be. And you're down yourself. You know you're disappointed mm. for them, but equally you've got to be the person that's that's kind of bringing them back up. Mm. And I guess be that person that you know I once had. So yeah, I say it's it's just you just don't know what you're going to have each <laughs> each day that you come into. And then you mentioned it there. I speak to a lot of people in your position and yeah what can be one of the most difficult things is maintaining your performance yeah whilst getting the best out of them so like how have you sort of gone about that like in terms of I don't know what how have you tried to sort of approach maybe your working week to make sure like B has the time B the sort of recruiter gets time to sort of do what she needs and then B's also then there the person that you need to be for your team like how have you approached that yeah absolutely so I think I definitely try and always be there for them. You know, I sit kind of, you know, in the middle of them. So mm. I'm accessible to them at all times other than if I'm you know, in a meeting or, or whatever. I'm lucky that I've got a delivery cons- consultant who pretty much works alongside me. Doesn't fill all my roles. I'll still do like, you know, some candidate work myself because it's super important. I'm still embedded in, in that world. Mm-hmm. But um, he's helped massively. You know, he's definitely a great support system. And I guess as well, once you get to a point you've got established clients, that needs less work. You've still got to keep the you know some bd going on but certainly less than than maybe what i once was Mm -hmm. so it does allow me to have a lot more time to you know kind of help them with with phone coaching or you know help read their emails before they're sent out that kind of thing and and just make sure that everything is is being done to to a high standard and then how was like be approached like becoming a better manager a better leader would you say yeah so it's it's a work in progress. I don't think, you know, you're, you're ever going to be perfect and it's not an easy job. But I think just, just trying to make more time for them. We do, 
<laughs> part of a sort of building manager course that I've you know recently been on. You get three sixty feedback, okay. and that's been super helpful to to understand like what they want more of from me. It's all anonymous, so I don't know who wrote what. what but what, um, they, what was like? What was the key insights? A lot of it was positive, but there was a lot more maybe like holding them accountable to certain things. I think that you they know, wanted. I, yeah, I think maybe I was very accountable of holding myself accountable to targets. But sometimes with them, if they weren't you know weren't hitting what they said they were going to hit, maybe I wasn't you know mm. pushing us to as to the, the why so yeah it's, it's definitely been helpful to to know what they've wanted from me 360 feedback yeah it's good it's important to get that if you, if you don't get it you know yeah, yeah i definitely. think the anonymous is is the key bit <laughs> i could probably tell you most of the way <laughs> <laughs> the thing is though it's like with stuff like that i feel like people are always going to spend time thinking who said who said that yeah it was it was quite clear i think but <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> so how, how have you thought about, because I think this would be useful because I, I think what you're talking about there, there is a bit of a balancing act of like, you don't want people to feel like, I don't know, you're like making them feel like you're hitting them with a KPI stick that people like to say or whatever. Like, have you thought about how you're going to try and balance that line of like setting standards, holding people accountable and not making people feel like you're micromanaging them or like they have to do this. Otherwise, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, part of it's about getting in the trenches with them. You know, we've got a competition we're launching on, on Monday, which is it is KPI based. But, you know, I'm part of that. So I'm going to be, you know, do, involved. Yeah, Leading exactly. by the front. And, and at the end of the day, if you can show them the reason why these KPIs are, you know, being set, then I think, you know, it's, it's fair enough. The last thing that I would want them to think of me was that, you know, all I cared about is the KPIs. If someone's done less numbers, but actually the, the quality of those KPIs is good, then that's what really matters. But on the flip side, recruitment, you know, is a numbers game. So there's, there's got to be some element of, of KPIs in there. Yeah, I just do feel like the, obviously KPIs have sort of, has become almost like a bit of a dirty word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But like, it's so, I don't know how you feel, but like understanding the science behind being successful is like super important. Like most yeah. top performers that... I've sat down with, like they will know to the detail, like if they want to bill 400 grand in the year, how many interviews they need to book. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's more about the science to be like, because there is a science behind it and it's just good to understand like where you want to try and end up, which should mean you get the outcome that you want. Exactly. And, it, you know, we try and look at ratios as well. So mm. it's, you know, there's it's, it's the reason why that KPI is happening. So it's not just, why haven't you pulled however many jobs? You know, it's, it's well, we know you need however many jobs to do a deal. So mm. that's like why... Like it all back. Exactly. So that, that's why we're looking at that KPI. You know, there's there's a reason for it. Awesome. Okay. So as we get to the end here then, what is B excited about going uh, into the, the rest of 2023? You said that it's been, that your market's looking pretty good at the moment so yeah. how how are you hoping to where are you hoping to be by the end of the year yeah so i've got two two main goals the first one is to be promoted to business manager which okay. is a, a big internal promotion essentially means you've got um you know a successful team and uh yeah deserve deserve that title business so, manager yeah i'm on. very very hopeful to to get that soon and then the second one has to be 20k 20k yeah. when do you think you'll hit the 20k it's a tough question <laughs> <laughs> It's funny you had a crystal ball. Um, <laughs> when would you like? When would you like? End of the year, you'd want to be. You want to be going into next year, like books twenty k. I'm going to go January. I, it's, it's the month that did ten k. It's the month that did fifteen k. Yeah, so it's, it's got it's to be a month. trend. It's, it's a my, my books are always healthy around that time. So yeah. we're, gonna to, we're gonna have to check back in see see if yeah, they no, hit the, no the twenty. I'm sure I'm we'll, we'll see the, see the post on LinkedIn. Big twenty k balloon picture. <laughs> 
Hopefully. We'll, hey, we'll uh, wait to see it in uh, in January. But I guess, look, I guess why don't we just end with, for people listening that, yeah, might be in the trenches right now, might be struggling in contract recruitment, obviously listening to your story might hopefully make them feel like it is possible to come out the other side, build a successful contract book that they've seen others build. Like, what would your advice be for those people that, yeah, hopefully are just like sort of on the way to hopefully get into sort of where you are? What, what would your advice be for those people? Just keep going. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, dig deep, find that why and use it to, to help you push forward. Like every little win you get is a big win. And uh, yeah, you'll get there. Love it. B, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. Loved it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope there were plenty of golden nuggets for you to take away. As you'll know, I'm your host here of the Recruitment Mentors podcast, but I'm also the founder of Recruitment Mentors. We're a online subscription-based learning and education platform. We're on a mission to help thousands of recruiters achieve their professional goals and successfully progress their careers through modern and engaging online learning. If you're a recruitment business owner listening to this, there's a good chance that you value self-development, personal development. You're trying to develop a culture of continuous improvement. But we've partnered with a number of grown recruitment companies who were struggling to understand how they can invest more in their people, how they can upskill them more quickly without spending more time, without having to spend thousands of pounds of external trainers. And we've ended up being a really great fit, modern fit for recruitment teams. We can ultimately help you get more out of your teams by giving your people access to modern and engaging online learning, which they can access on demand. The thing that's really cool about what we're doing at Recruitment Mentors is that all of the people that your teams are able to learn from and the people that are delivering the learning content are people that are in role right now. They're billing, they're actively facing the challenges that your teams are, and a lot of the time they're amongst the top performers within their companies, which means your teams are going to be way more confident to learn and spend time on their learning when they know they're learning from people that are doing it right now, have been there and done it. There's nothing worse than feeling like training is not relevant and not current. The best place to find out more about Recruitment Mentors and if we can help you accelerate your team's performance is uh, send me a message on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn directly and I'd love to connect with you and, and find out if we can help you get more out of your people.